just so great to be here again. So wonderful to be with you. Those of you that um, you're visiting today, welcome. And um, nice to meet you for the first time. Um, those of you that I've been here before, I've grown to love this church. And um, how can you not? This is a great church. And um, right? You know you have a, a wonderful church, right? And um, what a privilege. Has it, has it taken a, a worldwide pandemic for us to appreciate the church on a deeper level? You know what I mean? And uh, what a huge privilege to, you know, gather once again. And so, sometimes, you know, when we don't have something that's so valuable um, for a brief period of time, it does remind us, like, how powerful and what a wonderful gift God has given to us as the church. And... Um, I wish it didn't have to be a pandemic, you know what I mean, to, to do that. So um, anyways, uh, it's wonderful to be here and wonderful um, to get the privilege, actually, um, to share with you this morning and hopefully encourage you, hopefully challenge you. Um, and hopefully the, um, my prayer for you is that God would meet you and that God would speak to you and um, whatever it is that God wants to um, reveal to you uh, this morning about your life, my, my encouragement to you is to allow him to do that. Because every time that God uh, reveals something to us about our life, there's a grace uh, for us to look at that. There's a grace for healing to take place. Um, and, you, you know, how many know you, you, you don't actually have to go searching for something that's wrong with yourself? You know what I mean? Like oftentimes when we come together, especially in times like this where there's worship and the Lord's moving and God's spirit is moving, that is when the Holy Spirit begins to reveal things to us. That's, that's really, we come to church to change, right? Do we not come together to change for, for us to encounter our God and to give gratitude to our God and to our King and for all that we have, but also for God to encounter us and to change us? And so um, I'm going to briefly uh, share this morning with you and then again tonight uh, a, a different message. But the foundation, sort of the theme of this is off offended. So that's a very inviting topic, isn't it? So um, you can't really take the word offended and honestly not have it hit you. And it will hit all of you in different ways. Is that not true? Um, because our first response is, to think of the people that have offended us, and that have done us wrong, and that have mistreated us. Um, uh, but one of my encouragements is for you to actually look at your own life this morning, and perhaps maybe where, um, as shocking as this might be, where you may have offended somebody else. Um, so we did yesterday. It was a wonderful day, actually, uh, you know, just getting together and going through. The, it's a Bible study, actually, by the way. It's a, it's a whole Bible study, so I'm just going to touch on this this morning. Um, but yesterday, we spent some time going through it. It's a lot. Um, those of you that were here yesterday, anything that comes up, you should grieve that, by the way. You should let God heal that in you, because it, sometimes it's a process, isn't it? Um, and I think that's what God's going to do today. So I'm going to um, share um, about um, offense. And the question isn't, will you be offended? The question is, how are you going to respond when you are offended? And I'm going to look at the importance of forgiveness. And the truth is, um, you know, I've been in ministry for 30 years now. 
And um, just saying that out loud makes me tired. But 30 years, and I can honestly say that the number one thing that has taken people out of life, relationship, healthy relationship, that has ruined people's, um, you know, uh, how they relate to other people, ruined how they see the church, taken people out of church where people have left the church and angry at the church or hurt by the church or, you know what I mean, because the church is just people. You know, you can go down to the pub and get hurt, your feelings hurt. You know, that's the truth. Um, but the one thing that I've seen be the root cause of that is offense. So unforgiveness, if offense is not dealt with, it, it literally empowers unforgiveness. And when unforgiveness is empowered, it gives birth to bitterness and resentment. So I'm going to look a little bit this morning uh, in this st uh, story, a couple stories actually. And I first want to begin with uh, John chapter 20. So I think this is foundational when we talk about forgiveness like why forgiveness and what is Jesus said about forgiveness. So in John chapter 20, I'm just going to read this because this is powerful. This is after Jesus comes back from the dead. So he could have said anything. He could have done anything and he could have said anything. And in chapter 20 of uh, John, he says this, verse 19, On the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed him his hands and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said, peace be with you. Two times, peace. As the father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then said this, if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive, they are not forgiven. So if you read that verse translated, it's basically where Jesus is doing a few different things here. First of all, he knows that they're afraid. And I love this about Jesus. He's not into like scaring us to follow him. Like that's not the way that, that God works. Like he knows that they are so frightened. I mean, here he comes back from the dead. They are full of fear. And his first response is like, hey, first of all, yep. It's me. Look at my hands, right? A little bit of like, you guys haven't believed me, so here you go. I'm here. This is me. Um, and, um, and then he, he says, peace to you again. And then he gives them the Holy Spirit. So one of the foundations in any area of our life is that it takes God to follow God. And it takes God's spirit to allow God's uh, you know, will to be worked out in our lives. And so here Jesus is saying, peace to you, peace to you, but also here's my spirit. Now go and be a forgiving person. He's empowered us by his spirit to live as a forgiving person. And how many know without God's presence and without God's spirit, it doesn't work. We can only do so many things in our own power. I don't know about you but for me like I I know me without God and it's not a pretty sight like I I need the Jesus side of me to show up to things and when it comes to forgiveness we naturally don't just forgive we need God because the thing is forgiveness is a great idea until you need to do it everybody wants to forgive everybody wants to love everybody until you actually have to forgive somebody who really hurt you deeply so let's look at the text out of Matthew 18. This is a wonderful text. It's all wonderful. 
Uh, but Matthew, so here again, this is the Gospels. Those of you that are, are visiting today, you know, the Gospels are the earthly ministry uh, of Jesus. And this is basically Jesus again saying, this is what my kingdom looks like. So how many know there's, there's two different kingdoms, right? There's the kingdom of this earth. There's the kingdom of darkness. There's the enemy. And then we have the kingdom of God. And God's kingdom is bigger than the enemy's kingdom. And God's kingdom inside of you, more of God's kingdom inside of you, really does reflect the kingdom around you. Because what you believe in here is how you live it on the outside. So what Jesus is doing here through the Gospels is he's saying, hey, this is how you're called to live. This is what my kingdom looks like. In fact, he talks about it. He talks about this is what my kingdom looks like. Because here's Peter. And if you look at verse 21 here, let me just read the beginning part of here just for context's sake. Jesus is talking about the, the, the kingdom principles of how his kingdom operates. So what we have to understand is how God's kingdom operates is different than the kingdom of this world. It's different. And as believers, we're called to live different. So we should not be surprised by how the world is responding and how loud the world gets. What we should be surprised is when we actually act like the world. What are we doing? It's like living below our birthright. So here's Jesus saying, verse 21, says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus said, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, verse 25, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that he had, be sold to repay his death. And the servant fell on his knees before him and said, be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him canceled the debt and let him go so the first thing here is peter you know here jesus he's teaching in capernaum and what's happening is the disciples are asking a really important question and here's peter peter i love peter i mean i love him and also he's irritating (laughs) peter like reminds me of one of those guys where you love him but you don't want him to talk too much because if he talks too much he's going to say the stupidest thing that's peter and Peter, here, he's, he's asking Jesus, okay, Jesus, how many times do I actually have to forgive? And here, in those times, like, there's certain things that go in threes. So when Peter is saying three times, he's actually, uh, you know, when he doubles it, he's actually, he's actually doubling it, which is he's thinking he's being generous because to forgive three times would be generous. So Peter's doubling it, and Jesus is like, Peter, 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 basically. This is how Jesus, I think, talked to us. Come on, listen. I know you think you're being generous, but in my kingdom, it is not of this world. And how my kingdom operates, what you think is generous is not what I think is generous. And so that's Jesus' response here. He's, he's having these kingdom conversations about forgiveness. And he's saying when we're mistreated, basically how many times are we supposed to forgive people? And that number is infinity. That's the hard part. The hard part is that we are always called to forgive. No matter what, like for, in other words, forgiveness is not only a command, it makes it where it's not an option. And how many of you know if you keep something an option, you're going to use that option the minute that somebody does you wrong. So you have to have this in you as a kingdom person that forgiveness is the way of life. 
I will be quick to forgive, quick to forgive. That's one of the things that I live by. I'm quick to forgive, quick to forgive. It doesn't mean that I want that person in my inner circle because relationship is a privilege. It's a privilege. But forgiveness cannot be an option. And as kingdom people, this is what Jesus is saying to us, is that if we don't understand this, we will not live in the way that God has called us to live. Philip Yancey is a great author. He said this about forgiveness. He said, forgiveness is an act of faith. By forgiving another, I'm trusting that God is a better justice maker than I am. By forgiving, I release my own right to get even and leave all the issues of fairness for God to work out. I leave in God's hands the scales that must balance justice and mercy. So here's the thing. Forgiveness is a choice. Rarely is it a feeling. Rarely is it a feeling. Keeping our hearts clean, how many know, like you are the keeper of your own heart. So keeping our hearts clean, that's an inside job and it's an ongoing choice. And to worry is not believing that God will get it right. And bitterness is believing that God got it wrong. When we actually hold on to unforgiveness, we are worrying that God, we have to be the justice makers. We have to take things in our hands. Holding on to unforgiveness, we're making other people, you know, pay for what they've done. And I'm a big believer. In fact, I, I really do believe that to, to forgive something, it doesn't mean of forgetting. But I do know that I'll never forget something that I don't forgive because it has the power to haunt me and taunt me. So what happens to us when we don't forgive? So we have to remember that when we do not forgive, it is costing us. Because the thing is, not only are we in giving power to something that should not have power in our life as a kingdom person, Jesus said also in Matthew uh, 6, uh, verse 15, where he said, if you don't forgive other people, I can't forgive you. So the first command after coming back from being risen from the dead is, is, you know, to forgive. But he also goes further and says, listen, as a kingdom person, I can't even forgive you. You must learn to forgive. But the second part of this is that forgiveness blinds us to what's wrong with our own soul. So look down here at verse 28. Let's go down after this debt was canceled. When the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And verse 29, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went out and told the master every thing that had happened and the master called the servant in you wicked servant he said I canceled all your debts uh, because you begged me to shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you and in anger his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he paid back all that he owed and he said this this is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother from your heart so the first part of here, we have a, a picture of Jesus himself saying, this is, this is what forgiveness looks like. All of us go before Jesus with a debt that we cannot pay. It is because of the cross. 
It is because of what Jesus has done for us. You know what sometimes I think we forget? We get way too far away from remembering what God has done for us. Like living in the place, like what has God done for you? When you first got saved, see, sometimes I think when we're in the church too long, those of us that have been in the church too long, it's very easy to forget where we came from. It's very easy to forget like how God got a hold of us and rescued us and saved us, which by the way, I think is an ongoing thing. (laughs) Like how many times does God keep rescuing you? You know what I mean? But it's so easy to forget that, listen, you are unable to pay the debt over your own life. And it is the mercy of God who came and got you and wants you and rescued you and has the power to deliver you from yourself, from your own self. That's the mercy of God. That's what Jesus is saying here. Like this debt that was paid that this man could not repay. And his master had mercy on him. And then we find, starting in verse 28, where the response of that man who just received all of this mercy, this debt that was way bigger, by the way. So the debt that the first man owed was much, much bigger than the debt of the second man. Yet the response was completely different as well. We can't repay the debt that God's done for us. And the mercy that God's had on our life, is there anything that we should remember this morning? God is a merciful God. And people will do things. How many know people do stupid things? Don't look at anybody. (laughs) But people just say the wrong things. That's why people offend us. People, you know, say things not knowing the whole story. People judge your life and they don't know the hardship of what it's taken for you to get to where you're at today. Come on. They don't know the price that you've paid. So they come in on some chapter of your life and then kind of sum up your life. Is that not true? And you have to make the decision of whether or not you're going to live offended at them. It's hard when somebody just comes in on some chapter of your life and then sums up the way that you are. And you're like, oh, no, no, you don't understand what I've had to survive to get here. You don't understand all of the things that I've had to walk through. And so when somebody says something, that offense that comes at us, I have a right to be offended because you don't know where I come from. And what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, actually, you don't have a right to hold on to that unforgiveness. Even when people say things that are unkind. Come on. This is the way of the kingdom. Even when people say things and you're like, did you really just say that to me? I can't tell you, I can't tell you how many times. Can I have some water? I can't tell you how many times I've walked away from situations going, did that person really just say that to me? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. So I have a choice on whether or not I'm going to forgive them. Thank you. On whether or not I'm just going to go forward. Listen, people are never going to understand your whole story. People are never going to fully understand, you know, it's a little chilly today, by the way, I'm just going to say. It's lovely, but it's a, it's a, here's a little bit of a rabbit for you. But the sun is shining, but it is freezing. It's an illusion. It like draws you in, but it is an illusion. So people are not going to understand your whole story. 
People are going to say things to you. They're going to offend you. They're going to hurt you. And the call that Jesus invites us into is that we forgive them anyway. Even when people say things and do things that we don't understand or they don't understand, and we still forgive. So this man's response is that he went out, and his first response after he gets his entire debt canceled is that he goes out and he finds somebody that owes him money. Like he does not understand what he just received, which actually in today's terms, this tells you how different this is. The first debt is massive, and the second debt would probably be around 15, 20, you know, dollars or pounds in today's terms. That's how ridiculous this is, because Jesus is making a point. Jesus is making the point that in his kingdom, what we have been forgiven of is massive. And sometimes we turn around and we have an expectation for other people to, you know, pay us back. And sometimes Jesus is saying, listen, well, actually all the time, Jesus is saying, you got to forgive some things. You got to let it go. The servant immediately turns around. And what does he do? He goes out and he finds this guy who owes him a little bit of money. And he grabs him and he chokes him. Talk about somebody that's been carrying a little bit of unforgiveness. You know what I mean? How many know, like, when you have a little bit of power, when you have a little bit of voice, what comes out of your heart, what comes out of your life, boy, that's been sitting there. That's offense that's not dealt with, by the way. Like, that's bitterness. That's grown from an offense. Somebody doesn't just, hopefully, grab and choke somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's coming from something that's been he's been carrying. Is that not right? Has it not been like in your life where sometimes you respond to something and you're like, where did that come from? Why did I respond so angry to that? I said yesterday, but this is so very true. I think in our life, we don't deal with the things that come up in our life. We don't forgive quickly. We get bitter. And, the, and then we go into a relationship or we go in, you know, into some, somebody else that comes into our life as a friend. And all of a sudden, this person is going to pay the price for what this person did to us. Because we've never dealt with it. Because we've never forgiven. This guy grabbing and choking this guy, he's got a little bit of bitterness He's got a little bit of offense that grown, right? Because we're not running around choking people. Hopefully not, right? That's an indicator. And here's the thing, guys. Unforgiveness does not lie dormant. It doesn't just go away. It grows. And it becomes an infection in you. And I realize sometimes, you know, we think, ah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But the thing is, if it's all you think about, it matters, if it's affecting the rest of your relationships, it matters. And if you haven't forgiven, then it's costing you. So this servant did exactly, exactly what this other man had done with the king. He, he threw himself down and he begged for mercy. And his response was this, uh, this guy refused. And not only did he refuse, he had the man thrown into prison. I mean, that's a huge response. I love this, though, because in verse 31, it says this. We got to know this, guys, especially as the church. We've got to understand this. This is a, a situation where, where people are watching. Verse 31, it says, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and told the master everything that had happened. 
how many of you know, like, when you spill something that's not healthy, people are watching you. When you choose not to forgive other people, that people around us notice, man. People notice what we go through. People notice when we are quick to forgive. People notice, I'm not talking about forgetting, I'm talking about forgiving. People notice when we have a lifestyle of loving the people around us and they're watching. They're watching and here's the thing. They're watching the things that we handle that are difficult. Like the things that have the most power in, you know, people that don't know the Lord is not when everything is good. It's when you've been mistreated and you choose to love anyways. It's when life is unfair, which it is. And you still choose to love people and forgive. That's what people are watching. Like, I'm telling you, I have so many friends that don't know the Lord yet. And um, the one thing that I have noticed more than anything else is my friends who say, Christy, I don't understand. Like, I don't, how, why would you even care to forgive? Like, that's the, they so did you wrong. Like, yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah, they did do me wrong. Why would you forgive? I'm like, because it's for me. That forgiveness is for me. Like, God will deal with them. I know that. And if you don't know that at the end of the day, nobody gets away with anything. That should be a wake-up call. Like, actually, at the end of the day, nobody gets away with anything. But I'm telling you this, you guys, your greatest witness as a believer is how you handle those things when people do you wrong and you forgive anyways. I'm not talking about forgetting. I'm not talking about becoming best friends with people. I'm not talking about inviting people back into your life. I'm talking about responding rightly. And here's what happened in verse 32. When the king found out what this man had done, he's like, oh, what are you doing? I canceled your debt. Like, why would you turn around and do that? You, you begged me for mercy. So you got to put yourself like, this is us before Jesus. You know, asking for mercy. And so for us to turn around and not give what's been given to us is to act outside of who we are as kingdom people. And Jesus is saying here, I've had so much mercy on you. But then this. This is what, in anger, verse 34, his master turned him over to the uh, jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. How many of you think that guy actually wished he took back that bad decision? How many times have we like held on to offense and unforgiveness only to see that it hurt us and wish Oh, gosh, I wish I could go back and change that. Nobody's gone back to, like, something and said, oh, my gosh, I really, especially their end of their life, because I've been lots of times in, you know, deathbeds. Nobody's ever been like, oh, my gosh, I so wish I did not forgive that person. They're not thinking about that stuff. They're thinking about, oh, my gosh, life was so short. Why did I let that control my life? Why did I let that steal me from the joy that I could have had or the peace that I could have had? That was so short. Oh, I wish that person was here with me. Things like that. You know what I'm saying? When this, when this guy turns this, uh, this, the offender over into jail, when it says that for him to be tortured, one of the translations of that means to be tormented. 
That's what unforgiveness does. Unforgiveness places us in a torment. We literally empower the enemy and we say, you go ahead and you just let that play over my head over and over and over again. That's what unforgiveness does. What you're doing when you say I won't forgive is you're saying, here you go, enemy. Go ahead and just remind me of where that person did me wrong. It's an exchange. See, sometimes we think if we forgive, then we're letting that person off the hook. Well, the truth is, at the end of the day, they stand before God. What we're doing is we're letting ourselves off the hook. What we're doing is we're being a kingdom person and walking life out in the way that God has called us to walk it out. It doesn't mean that it's easy. In fact, if it was easy, right, then everybody would do it. But this guy being thrown back into jail, you know what they did to people in jail those days? Like, I love history. This is a really weird side of me, so don't judge me, but I'll forgive you later. (laughs) But you know what they did to criminals in those days? Like, they stretched their bodies out. You know, they, they tormented them. They tortured them. So here's a guy who was completely forgiven of his massive death, only to be put into jail, to be tormented and tortured. And I do think sometimes, especially the older you get, you look back on your life and you're like, you know what, that actually wasn't really worth it. Holding on to that wasn't really worth it. Don't you think that guy felt like, hey, that wasn't really worth it? Sitting there in that jail being tortured a little bit? Maybe I should have just let that debt go. You know, sometimes hindsight, right? Sometimes the older you get... And I realize that some of you may be asking is, if forgiveness is, is ever an option. And I think by what I've said, it's pretty clear that Jesus says that this is a lifestyle for the believer. It's not an option. It is the, what we're called to. But let me say this to you. In the Greek, the word forgive means to hurl away. It means to free yourself. So when you are wronged, every time you forgive... You are literally giving a gift back to yourself of freedom. You are saying, I'm going to be a person who walks in freedom. I'm not going to allow, and I'm telling you, this is, I am like this, and I am wired like this. I am wired like I am not going to allow somebody else's behavior to dictate my peace. I'll tell you what will steal your peace, unforgiveness. I'll tell you what will steal your peace, bitterness. I'll tell you what will steal your peace. If you spend your time building a case on why you don't have to forgive rather than just forgiving, I'll tell you what will keep you up at night, unforgiveness. And you have these battles in your head and you relive everything in your head over and over. Have you ever noticed that those things that happen in your head at night, in the middle of the night with other people that have done you wrong, you always win? (laughs) You always win and everything comes out right, right? It's just unforgiveness. You've empowered something. So I realized that some, like, well, if you knew what happened to me, then you would know why I don't want to forgive. Probably. Let me say that. Probably. Because I think that if if we went around this room and talked about all the reasons why people have done us wrong and how hurtful they are, yeah, it's probably really bad and probably really hurtful. But if we're going to live as a kingdom person... We want to we take the words of Jesus, and we want to live in the freedom that God has called us to live in, right? 
Because at the end of the day, you know what I've learned, especially as a pastor when it comes to forgiveness, is a lot of people are like, I just want to hold on to this long enough so that they feel a little bit of the pain that I have felt. That is so true. We just want people, if they just knew how I felt. And here's the thing about forgiveness. Even if you walk as a forgiving person, it does not mean that the people around you will. So making a choice as a kingdom person to live in forgiveness does not mean that the people around us will live the same way. Will you still forgive? If people still don't, you know, uh, I think, understand the pain that you've gone through, will you still forgive? If you ever feel like you've not heard, will you still forgive? If there's no justice this side of heaven, will you still forgive? Like those are the challenges of what Jesus has, is talking about here. So I think it's important to understand that, yes, these are the words of Jesus. Yes, this is what we're called to walk into. But what are some of the things and some of the ways that we know if we're carrying a little bit of unforgiveness? Because here's the thing. In doing that study offended, oh my gosh, I had so many things come up in my own life that I didn't even know were there. That's frustrating. Nobody, no, no leader, I'll tell you this, no teacher ever wants to do a series on offended. Because you have to live what you teach. That's why I'm going to do series on prosperity next time. Because I'm tired of this stuff. I am tired. And doing this, man, I'm telling you, everybody came out of the woodwork and offended me. It was like I'd walk out the door and I'd be offended. Somebody that I've known for years would offend me. I was like, I was like I'm walking out what I'm teaching. I'm like, can I please get out of this series? So I know what it feels like. I know. I live it. I live this. Everybody lives it. Nobody's above it. And I'll tell you this about forgiveness. This is the crazy thing about forgiveness. And this is why I think Jesus knew that unforgiveness would not only destroy our lives, he knew that forgiveness would have to be the way of the life for the believer until they're with him. Is that you can choose to forgive today. And by the time you get out of this building, you're going to have another opportunity to forgive. Because <laughs> that's the way it is. So how do we know, actually, if we have any forgiveness in our heart? Well, we need to understand that what comes up inside of us. Because forgiveness can blind us. This response of this, this man to turn around and ask for all of that debt, you know, that was so tiny to be paid back to him, is that we have to understand that sometimes unforgiveness can blind us to the truth. So we need God's word. We need God's spirit to show us, Lord, is there any area of my life where I'm holding on to something that's not good, that's not healthy, right? Ask yourself these three things. First, if your life revolves around where you were wrong, Perhaps ask yourself if you're holding on to unforgiveness. If it's all you think about, like what I said earlier, if it's all you think about, if it's like ruling, it's stealing your peace, like that circumstance or what they said or what they did or whatever it is. If it's stealing your peace, you have to ask yourself, not just what did that person do wrong, but where is it that I'm holding on to unforgiveness? And here, I, 
I know when I've forgiven someone by a few different things. One is that I know, the second thing here, I know if I've forgive, forgiven. When I see that person, when I hear their name, what happens inside of me will tell me how much I've forgiven them. Like, is it not true that sometimes when you go through really hard things, especially horrific things, where you have to forgive other people, and you hear that person's name or you see them, your body temperature changes. Like, all in good, like, you know, that's not just an age thing. That's like, that's something that happens because perhaps you're holding on to something that you need to ask for forgiveness for how, the third thing, how does your body react when you hear that person's name? Like it could be, it could be 10, 15, 20 years. And when you hear that person's name, how do you respond? These are the things that God, by his spirit, because Romans talks about, Romans 5 talks about that the children of God are led by the spirit of God, which means it's my spirit that identifies with, with God's spirit that I belong to him. That means when something comes up, I'm going to know it in my body. It's going to come out in my body. Do you realize that there was a survey done years ago that, that one of the psychiatrists said in, uh, in several of the different oversights of hospitals, um, psychiatric hospitals in particular, that the percentage was way up there, 80, 90%, that if people just learned how to forgive, that they would become healthier. There's another study that actually unforgiveness not just destroys our mind, it destroys our physical body. You know why? Because it eats you from the inside out. So again, when we forgive, we're literally hurling that thing away and we are bringing freedom to ourselves. So I would challenge you this morning saying, how does your body respond when you hear somebody's name that has done you wrong? How are you sleeping at night? Where's your peace? That's a really big indicator. Uh, let me finish with this, because I love this. Because sometimes, you know what, we can get so blinded. This man was so blinded by what the, he was given. But uh, this is one of the great things about God, is that he can take, because this is a promise, he can take the things that make no sense whatsoever, and he can bring good out of it. If you follow him, goodness and mercy is falling after you, like it's chasing after you. That's a promise in, 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 in the book of uh, Psalms, where goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. That's a great promise. It's chasing after you. That's how I see that. <laughs> I read this Bible weird sometimes. I'm like, mercy and, fall, mercy and grace are chasing after me. Um, but also that God can take whatever's happened to us and he can bring good out of it. So whatever's happened to you doesn't mean that it was right. But God has this way, does he not, to take the pain and the hardship and the rejection, and where we've been wronged, and he has the power to bring good out of it. And you, it will not make sense to you. And if you're in it, it really won't make sense to you. You have to trust that God is a good God, and if you walk in forgiveness, God will use that. I'm telling you, God will use it. There's this story of uh, this uh, man in 1776. Uh, there was a hymn that was written by a man named Augustus Telapity, and he was really interested in the Lord. Like at a very young age, God had called him. At 11 years old, he had written in his journal, I praise God. At 11 years old, I think this is cute, he wrote, I praise God that I can remember no dreadful crime. 
Well, I hope not, you're 11. <laughs> so cute. He said this, by age 12, he was preaching sermons to whoever would listen. And at 22, he was ordained as an Anglican priest. But he was known throughout his life. This is so sad. He was known for his life for having the disdain for an evangelist named John Wesley. So he spent the majority of his life like going after Wesley. In fact, he even put an ad in the newspaper calling Wesley. I believe him to be the most hater of the gospel that ever appeared. He also wrote an article, and it intended to like be a slam, to be a slap at Wesley. But that article was used as a poem. And then that poem became a hymn. And you know what hymn it became? Rock of Ages. Cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side, which flowed, be of sin the double cure. Save me from the wrath and make me pure. That young guy died at 38. He died a, a bitter guy. But that hymn has been one of the greatest hymns of all time. God took something that meant to do Wesley in, by the way. This man's bitterness, this young man, he was young. But that bitterness grew and it, it, it consumed his life. And even in his attack against Wesley, God took that attack and God used it for good. Like a hymn that we sing today, centuries later. Isn't that kind of amazing? So here's the thing. You may not see the good that's going to come out of what's happened to you. You may not see it, the sight of heaven. But God's promise, it will. Because God's a good God and his promises don't fall to the ground. And my challenge to you is, hey, listen. Don't hold on to something so temporary. Don't hold on to something that's only eating you from the inside out. Let it go this morning. Like the choice to forgive, and I, I'm not just talking about this morning, church. I'm talking about as a lifestyle. Be quick to forgive. Do yourself a favor. You are giving yourself a gift every time you say, I forgive. You don't have to feel it. You don't have to feel it. You don't have to get in that person's face and say, you don't deserve it, but I'm going to forgive you anyways. <laughs> we don't need to do any of that. Just say, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. Like, don't, don't give it any more power than it needs. Amen? Amen? Why don't you stand? <laughs> We're going to do some ministry this morning. How does that sound? See, I've been Britain way too long because I know you have to ask people three, four, five, six times. <laughs> but we're going to do some ministry, church. Because you know what? I want you to leave today and some of you are carrying stuff that's just been taking your peace. And leave it here. Leave it in church. Leave it in the building. Get out of here. Go free. Get, you know, have, have a nice afternoon. Watch football match. Go to the pub. Have freedom. Don't let this thing carry you down, right? Well, who's the football team here, by the way? Is that a, is that a, wait, did I just get several answers? Okay, we're just going to go forward. I know this isn't a cow. <laughs> I know how important that is. So forgive me. All right. Lord, we just so thank you for your word. Just put your hand over your heart this morning. If you're new here this morning, this isn't going to hurt you, but I will tell you, if you're here, you're here for a reason. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. Lord, let it go deep within us. 
Lord, thank you for the mercy, the mercy and the forgiveness, Lord, that you've had over our lives. Lord, remind us of that mercy, Lord. Remind us of that mercy again and again. Thank you for your forgiving us, Lord. We thank you for your forgiveness. This morning, as a church, we thank you for your forgiveness for us. As a church, as the church. Lord, we thank you for forgiveness, even though we don't deserve it. We ask, Lord, that your word would go deep within us, Lord. Hide it in us, Lord, so we won't sin against you. And I pray, Lord, that by your spirit, Lord, that you would bring your healing power where healing is needed today. We thank you that you are our healer when we need healing. That you're the God who sees us. You're the God who knows us. You're the God who rescues us. You're the God who saves us. You're the God who redeems us. You're the God who restores us. You are the God who knows our beginning, our present, and our future. We thank you for your presence, Lord.